0: Canucks lose 3-1 on home ice against the biggest, toughest, hardest team to play against in the National Hockey League and the Boston Bruins. 3-1 win over the Vancouver Canucks, and this is the Canucks on the postgame show on SportsNet 650 and the SportsNet Radio Network. Satyar Shah, Big Nazar, and Brett Festerling joining us here on the postgame show. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. Grab a phone line as well. 604-280-0650. And Brett, the story of the game, the Bruins just clearly the superior team against Vancouver. Just even though the Canucks made it 2-1 and made it interesting, the Bruins were fully in control, but the game ends with something I've never seen at a National Hockey League game, and that is watching another netminder score a goal, and Lannis Hallmark adds a little salt to the wounds for the Boston Bruins. What did you make of that? I mean, that was a, uh, it was a pretty nice shot by the goaltender.
1: It was nice. I was imp- I've never <laughs> seen it in person yeah. before. I've seen a couple of attempts, but that was actually pretty impressive. And you know, in my mind... Besser's in the middle, he tips it. I think he wants to get it out to a winger. He doesn't want that tip to the goalie. No coach wants that, but he takes advantage of it, and it was very impressive that he put it right in the middle.
0: Yeah, he really did. And, I mean, it was just impressive from Boston, I think, start to finish in this game. And, all Mark, everything he faced outside of the one chance, Besser was able to chip over him. He stopped. You see how good he's been. But the the way the the Bruins play, even though it was only a 3-1 final at the end, did you ever feel like they didn't have control of the game?
1: No, exactly. They just were this solid. You knew exactly what they were going to do, what to expect. They didn't really budge, give an inch. And when they did, you saw guys like Bergeron just straight back to the net, Mm -hmm. very solid, get back into position and just kind of shut it down right away.
0: No, they certainly did. And you watch how Vancouver's trying to play, and it's such a big gap to try to make that up. But if you're looking at positives from Vancouver's end tonight, can you look at it and say, hey, as much as the Bruins controlled the game, the Canucks didn't let the you know, uh, the roof cave in and, and they didn't get their blo- uh, doors blown off. Was that also a fact of how Canucks played or also how Boston just didn't force anything that wasn't there?
2: Maybe
1: a bit of both. I like the Canucks. Like Canucks in the past, I think, have tried to open it up and mm-hmm. uh, we've kind of talked about you know cookie monsters and getting points and doing that stuff. They actually played within the system and used those opportunities to kind of generate. They didn't really try to open it up and do something spectacular they really tried to play as a unit to get those you know claw back
3: that that lead one thing that was really impressive about the Bruins and I wanted to ask you about it it's like it's constantly stick on puck yeah you notice it especially on when they're on the power play and forcing retrievals yeah and even in the defensive zone it's like they're a smart checking team obviously they're physical but it is constantly just making players and the Five man groups Delay to the next play And they just know If I poke it in this area My teammate's gonna go Poke it into another area And it just Must be so infuriating To play them Because so many opportunities That were developing For the Canucks Just got pushed away And then pushed away again And pushed away again It must be so frustrating
1: Yeah we were commenting On McAvoy Yeah, Every shit He's either tipping it up Into the net Or he's cutting off passes And they're so good at They're already in good position They're already four feet Off Mm -hmm. every player And then you add That stick in there So when a Canuck player Gets it Visually, to him, it feels like he has... Well, they don't have a lot of space, but they have, in their minds, zero space. And then on top of that, they were really good at... When maybe Vancouver did have the advantage, they were so good at being in the pocket, having that stick out, where the Vancouver would have to delay, thinking they're going to hit a a lead guy. Right. And then they just fall back into that, into that lane, and then all of a sudden they need to skate to catch it they can't forward the puck and then it just allows Boston to get all their guys back
3: and and you mentioned how the Canucks didn't really try to overextend themselves as well which I think would probably be a good thing because you start doing it and seams are going to start opening up and lanes are going to start opening up for them to attack into so I guess from that point of view from talking I think that's probably the game plan to not overextend yourself and not try to open up spots for a team to take advantage of you as well yeah, well,
1: kind of just do your job. Focus on right. what you need yeah. to do within that system and not what the other guy or the mistake the other guy. So I think before we saw a lot of like individual mistakes, and then a the guy tried to cover it up, and then that guy's trying yeah. to cover it up, and it just kind of compounded. Where mm-hmm. it seemed now that if there is a mistake, guys are getting back into their right position in those kind of layers to protect it. So I think there's a lot of positives in terms of the system play of Vancouver, especially tonight against a team that you see the, all they want to do is capitalize on mistakes that the right. other team's making. They're not really yeah. going to go make. like They're not going to
0: force the issue.
1: Yeah, when you saw Edmonton, right, their dynamic players are going to go make something happen. Where are I mean, to take you, chances. Yeah, yeah, you saw Marchant take a classic Marchant goal, pull it to the middle and yeah. do that. But they were just waiting for mistakes to pounce on it. They weren't trying to go do something spectacular.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised when we hear from Tockett, he kind of mentions that. Yeah, they got outplayed, but the fact that they held their structure kept them in the game, and, and I think that's the argument that oftentimes the coaches are making. It's like you're not going to be able to outplay teams, and especially this team, the way they're constructed. But can you at least, even when you're under siege, not fall apart and, and keep staying close into the game and give yourself a chance, right? Yeah. And it's not. This is not good hockey in terms of let's build around a team that's going to hang around and perhaps win a few games, but. They kept it a one-goal game, and Pedersen the last couple of minutes of the game. I mean, if you're if you're worried about the tank, the biggest threat to the tank, so to speak, is Elias Pedersen because he created two or three chances late when there was a one-goal yeah. game that easily could have tied the game. And if you are within a goal and you don't fall apart, then one of your special players is one play away from perhaps getting you something out of a game. And I would I'm sure that's how the coach is going to try to sell these performances and say you know what, yeah, we got outplayed, but we were one shot away from getting something out of this.
1: Yeah, and that carries forward into like a Boston, right? You're not going to have your A game every single night, Mm -hmm. but if you can stick around and at least give yourself a chance by not giving up you know, kind of dumb goals or yeah. easy mistakes. Then what was the turn
3: pocket used today? Free goals, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if you can stick around in those, whether you're a good or a bad
3: team, keeping yourself in the fight is is key to having success. I think it's kind of a funny context here too for where the two spectrums that these two teams are at. Like game management for Boston, we look at it and say, Hey, they didn't really push the tempo, but they managed the game and did what they could, they walk out three one winners. From the Canucks point of view, if they were in the spot Boston was, we would say Playing that strategy is not really trying to win. It's methodically losing. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when you're trying to build this mm-hmm. out, you would say, hey, this is at least building blocks to get to a stage years down the road. Yeah. But what you have on hand is try to play within your structure and do what you can with the personnel that you do have.
1: Yeah. And and the PK looked a lot better. Right. Sticks and some of the players' opportunities. I loved Breezewell on there. He made yeah. a couple of good blocks. Sticks came in. I saw a huge pat from uh, Yao and Adam Foot. Right on the back, and then you know he's back over the boards 15 seconds later because of five guys.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, in terms of we'll see uh, also what we hear from the coach on Ethan Bear's situation yeah. post game. He took a shot off the face the first 20 seconds, left really quick. You played in your game, you've seen those situations. It's always scary when a guy makes a beeline like that and then doesn't come back. So we'll hear what the coach has to say, but we all are hoping that Ethan Bear is all right.
1: Yeah, that's it's scary to uh, anything face and like orbital jaw. I've played with guys that have. Had serious injuries, and it's and mentally, it's just a tough one for everybody to go through, right? It's just you don't want to see a guy get hurt, and it just it feels more vulnerable than like a shoulder or something like you know what I mean? It's just scary.
3: uh Really quickly, again, it's only eight minutes and 33 seconds, but we're trying to keep an eye on Atu Ratu. Uh, any thoughts on what you may have seen tonight?
1: I tried to like really watch mm-hmm. him to see what he's about. There wasn't much good or bad for me. He didn't really stand out either way. I'm not saying he played bad. It's Mm -hmm. just, I think he's still trying to fit in where, you know, Mm -hmm. feel out his confidence and how he would play with those. But not bad, not good. I, I think he's still feeling it out. Well, it's
0: clear the skating needs some improvement, right? And that's yeah. part of it. But you know, showed a little bit. It's hard to get a good sense after only a couple of games. And one thing we kept an eye on was ice time. And tonight, uh, JT ends up playing just over 18 minutes. Pedersen just over 20, well, 21, almost 22 minutes. Quinn Hughes 28, so a bit more. But I think that one, it's it's hard not to play Quinn a lot, isn't it? When you have this many injuries than Ethan Bear, yeah. top four defenseman. First 17 seconds, right? I don't think Ethan Bear is a top four defenseman long term for a big club. But right now, he's playing a top pairing role. Essentially, you take him out of. It's going to cause a lot of minutes to go to number 43.
1: Yeah, exactly. you got 120 minutes that needs to be covered by five guys. So, like, he's going to get a lot of ice time, and he's so good. <laughs> like, He's playing both sides, so yeah. you can fill it. So, yeah. it's so easy for a guy like Adam Foot to just be like, yeah, you're right, you're left, just go, go, go. And they probably just got in that uh, rhythm where he's just double shifting with the same two guys every you know, third shift.
3: There was a couple of moments late, especially with Ethan Barry removed from the lineup, that, like, all the puck moving burden just falls on Quinn Hughes, and he's <laughs> yeah. trying to do too much and stick handle into back into the zone and do yeah. too much. We talked about it sat last game. It's like once you start playing 28, mm-hmm. 30 minutes consistently, there's just going to be a mental fatigue, and you start making weirder decisions on and on, even though Quinn Hughes can handle the puck so much and do so many great things. That stuff takes its toll at some point.
1: Yeah, he he's so good because he can evade mm-hmm. with his skating. So you yeah, exactly. You add 5 minutes on that just more skating and and if you're against a team like Boston that can roll four lines, so their forwards aren't really getting overextended, right. which makes them good down the stretch where they can just lock it up and you got a you got a Felino that's played. I don't know what he played tonight, but like I'm sure all the guys around 15 minutes, he can <laughs> yeah. jump on those a little quicker and that split second makes a big difference.
3: Yeah, Felino's at 10:54. Zaka's at 18, and yeah, there's really no one that's jumping out at like 23 minutes or something like that. is yeah, exactly. yeah, at 12, 2012, and I think that's the leader right now for forwards. Yeah, and everybody else was kind of in the 18
0: minute range from the top guys, Marchand, yeah. even under 18. 17,
3: so 32 for Bergeron.
0: They spread the ice time quite a bit and do it very well. Brett, always a pleasure having you on the Post Game Show. Great call alongside Brendan Batchelor and... Uh, we look forward to having you on again next weekend when the Canucks have the Leafs
1: in town. I know. That'll be exciting. I'm excited for, for them, too, in another good test. Yeah, no, exactly. And another know? 4 o'clock start.
0: Another 4 o'clock start. <laughs> an original 6 team and a team that, as much as a, Canuck, a lot of Canucks fans want to tank, they kind of want to see the Canucks beat the Leafs, I think. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. But we have a couple games coming up still before that. But, Brett, great stuff as always. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. or toll toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Canucks lose 3-1 on home ice against the Boston Bruins. It's Satir Shah, Bick Nazar. We'll hear from head coach Rick Talkett and more as the show continues. On the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Garland, head for Besser, tips it deep into the Boston zone. Allmark out of the goal is going to shoot for the empty net. The Bruins goaltender scores! Linus Olbark, the Boston goaltender, makes it 3-1 Bruins in the final minute of the third period. A perfect wrister into the middle of the goal.
0: Canucks lose 3-1 against the Boston Bruins here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canuck Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah and Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll go to your questions in just a moment. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. And, you know, for a moment, Bick, just got to talk about as a hockey fan, One of the things, we have a list of things we'd love to see as hockey fans at a live NHL game, a game you're attending, right? Whether it's you'd like to see a guy score five goals, right? Or, you know, get a shutout, which you see, you know, more regularly. But there's certain things that you'd love to see. And one of the things that's always ranked very high on my list is goalie goals. And sure. like When I was a kid, like I loved the goalie position. I remember just playing it. You know when you play like, in the backyard or whatever? I actually had dreams of scoring a goal in the NHL as a goalie, like as a kid. You yeah. know, I dreamed of maybe doing that. And I always wanted to see a game, to be at a game, to watch a goalie score a goal. And yeah, I mean I would love to see a Canucks goalie score a goal, <laughs> but if it's going to be a year when the Canucks get scored against by another goalie, it should be a year where you're looking at the standings and saying, hey, at least you're getting good draft lottery odds. And I'm pretty geeked up, and I was like a kid in a candy store watching Linus Allmark score that goal tonight. That, that, that was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. i got to say, that, that was like a hockey bucket
3: list thing for me to watch tonight. We were packing up, getting ready to come over here because we're on the other side of the Jim Robson yeah. broadcast gondola, and we're packing up, and I, as soon as he grabbed it and threw it down, I hit you, and I was like, he's going to try, he's going to try, and you stopped and we were like glued to it. Yeah, that's awesome. i, I seen a couple of k- attempts in, in Junior A uh, up north when I was uh, in that time there, and they felt either fell short or went way wide and it's just one of those things when it's in the air it's just it's hope and promise and then it lands it's like it looks like it's gonna happen Goalie goals. Really cool. Uh, the yeah, Bruins are so good, all three positions can score. Yeah. Quite literally now. No, I know. Quite literally. Quite literally. I mean, the goals, the goalies stop shots and they score
0: goals. I mean, what else do you want from your netminders? But I got to say, as, as a hockey fan, that was really cool. I know a lot of Canucks fans said the mm-hmm. same thing, but also some fans that were upset that it was the Bruins that scored. That was a Bruins goalie that did it, and the fact that the Canucks lost this game still, I know that doesn't sit well with fans. But I got to say, I got to be honest, as a hockey fan, that, w- that was pretty exciting. Uh, Pretty exciting seeing that happen here at Rogers Arena. Now, it's time to check out your text messages on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox, six fifty six fifty. William and Langley, the fact the Canucks were down to five demon, I still think they held, the Bruins to, uh, they held the Bruins pretty well and didn't let them blow the door down. Now, I think the NHL should save us all some time and give the Stanley Cup to the Bruins. This team is almost beatable, unbeatable this season. That is William
3: and Langley texting Plus, it. I want to see the Eastern Conference playoffs. They look like they're going to be a train wreck. Of uh, straight carnage. I can't wait to watch the East <laughs> no. playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jesse texts in and says, Sat, you could probably make the backup goalie uh,
0: on the Canucks at this point with the type of goal Sat standing. doesn't have the knees for it. I I, I totally do not have the knees. De- definitely don't have the knees. Uh, who would win? Because <laughs> that's the flaw. <laughs> <laughs> that's my issue. <laughs> that's the only issue I'm having. Austin and Langley getting a start on the jokes for 60. Just when I thought it was going to be a whatever 2-1 loss. Hashtag Pain. Watching a goalie goal against your team and it being the Boston Bruins.
3: That's fair. Yeah. People can take that goalie goal however they want. I just think it's a cool moment to see. <laughs> it's fair to say, oh, it happened against us. That's a totally fair thing to say. Yeah. I just think it's awesome. Oh, it is awesome. All right,
0: uh, keep your thoughts coming in. 650-650, our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. And uh, we'll, we'll hit more of your text messages, like Jesse also says. The referee tried taking out Marchand. Game management, the biggest threat to the Canucks tank is officials taking out the opponent, uh, Jesse texted. in. so a lot of jokes per 60 flooding in to our text inbox. Now, we are waiting to hear from head coach Rick Tockett. And if we're trying to evaluate certain players on the back end, do you. We know Quinn Hughes did his thing, played 28 minutes again. The last two games, he's played 58 minutes total. So he's averaging like 29 minutes the last two games. And despite all that, I think he's acquitting himself very well. Guillaume Briesbach had some moments, but you know how he played that game a few months back and came and played really well? You see some struggles there. And I think overall, to the Texter's point, considering they went down to five and they have, what, three of those defensemen being non-NHL defensemen, I think they did a pretty good job of not getting their doors mm-hmm. blown off and defending fairly well. But it's, it's hard to really evaluate when you have one guy you lean on this much and the other guy that played a lot was Tyler Myers, and you know Myers has his struggles. But I don't know what to really make
3: of how they defended individually tonight outside of how they defended as a team. Kudos for a, a good game, and I know Brett was pointing out his work on the PK and he absolutely did a good job again, I just go to the back to the ideas like how how much were the Bruins pressing and forcing the Canucks it was very much waiting for the Canucks to mismanage the puck and just try to be in the right spot and if the loose puck presented itself, they could be on top of it and so I was mentioning like just poking the puck away and creating yeah. those waves of attacks that they tend to do. If the Bruins really wanted to up the tempo with their forecheck, I think they could have made it look a lot worse. But you play to how the opponent is playing. And Guillaume Brisebaugh tonight uh, showed himself up and did a good job and was was active. And four block shots and one takeaway and a hit. Uh, You kind of need a physical element and showing up in the other columns in the box score outside of assists and goals. Someone needs to fill that role with Luke Shen obviously being sat out. Uh, Tonight he did it, but if we're talking about long-term conversations here, this is just a uh, thank you for eating up 18 minutes in a game that we absolutely need it for, for game 59 in the season.
0: Yeah, it's kind of survive, And it, it was really interesting listening to Yannick Hansen on Canucks Central yesterday, and he's often t- he's on every Tuesday with Bick Nazar on the People Show as well. And what he said was every single player, and he means guys who can play at the AHL level or close to that level, can give you 10 decent games in the NHL. Mm-hmm. It's more about beyond that, what can you do? You know, and, and that's why even Willanon, we've seen it prior, but a few games so far it hasn't been too bad. Atu, Ratu we've seen a little bit so far, but it's clear the skating needs a lot of work. It's difficult to make any sort of real declaration on any of these guys with a handful of a couple of games, really. You know, I know a lot of people are asking, you know, what do you think of these players and these individuals? It's hard to give you a lot outside of some very basics. And on Ratu especially his smart stand out. He knows where to go. He knows what to do. But clearly, very
3: clearly, Bick, that skating has to improve dramatically. There was a moment in the second period where a transition chance happened, like just a, a change of possession in the neutral zone, but it got kicked back into the brune zone, and they had to go retrieve it. And just the effort, the, like the amount of work he had to try to get to to get to his top speed, you just saw it was such a struggle. He never really got there. He covered such a distance very slowly. Yes. And you can just see, like, the arms are pumping. He's working so hard to really go nowhere. That's not to say he's never going to improve, because you can see there's obvious power in his game. Like, he is a strong individual. So I do think the skating will improve, but whatever the mechanics are, the biomechanics of it, have to be altered as he continues to grow as a player. And look, he's a young player. It's fine. It's not an overwhelming concern. He gets about the ice right now totally fine. Mm But if you want to maximize what your career is and from the Canucks standpoint, if you want to maximize what the asset is and as that trade looks better or worse from yeah. the years going on, it's going to need to improve. I do think he'll be fine. He'll get to an NHL baseline. It's just, are you getting to a spot where you're really going to be trusted in roles because hey, we need you and your, your speed is an element or your, your skating is a uh, uh, strength in your game.
0: Well, and That's why when I look at Ratu, I still don't look at next season as being a realistic ETA for him, like training camp. I look at it, it's going to take a couple off-seasons. Sure, yeah. Changing your skating is more than just one off-season. You you do it gradually, you work on it, and you get to a point where your stride improves, and then you keep working on it and getting it better. It's going to be a couple-year project, right? So as much as he's getting a chance to play now, I think it's because of the circumstance more than anything else and them wanting to get him up here and, and kinda of get him getting him on the right track after trading for him. But I do think he still has a fairly long path he has to take before he can be a difference maker at any real level here at the National Hockey League and we'll continue breaking the game down I know a lot of people like this one unsigned says thoughts on the Kravtsov deal yes we will talk about the Vitaly Kravtsov deal the Canucks acquiring the Rangers forward now a Canuck for 7th round pick and William Lockwood earlier this afternoon we'll break down the player the Canucks acquired what else they might do on the trade deadline with the trade deadline being less than a week away at this stage and keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox 650-650 you can grab a phone line 604-280-0650 You're toll free 1-888-275-0650 And we'll hear from head coach Rick Talkett As the show continues on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network
2: Back to more Canucks Central post game show coverage This is where Utah Canucks On the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network Marchand right wing into the Vancouver zone Near circle makes a move around burrows Into the slot he scores Beautiful goal by Brad Marchand as he beats Seatloves along the ice. And it's 2-0 Bruins with 34 seconds left in the first.
0: Bruins go on to win 3-1 over the Canucks here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. That's your show with Bik Nazar. And, uh, you know, we saw Linus Allmark score a goal. We've seen quite a few things today. We even saw a trade today. The Canucks acquiring, acquiring Vitali Kravtsov. We'll talk about him in a second. We are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett in a few moments as soon as that becomes available. But before we do, Bick, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. And I'll get things going here just in the coots. After Benning's successful industrial espionage, I didn't think the Bruins could come with new and exciting ways to twist the dagger. Jokes
3: on me. That's just in the coots. <laughs> <laughs> good text. Uh, Keith texting in. Uh, Beauvillier was the Canucks' best player tonight. Had uh, half our scoring chances. Doesn't seem to have dropped off yet. Uh, dropped off yet. Uh, we'll be curious to see how he continues. Also an unsigned text here. Beauvillier, good game defensively. Good piece back in the bow trade. Breaking up a number of plays in our own end. Obviously, we're talking about Ratu uh, earlier being part of that trade and how he can maximize his potential. Should give credit to Beauvilliers as well, continuing his strong play. In the defensive zone, more than anything tonight, absolutely noticed it. Obviously, had a couple of chances uh, later on, and uh, in tight slot chances, but defensively, yeah, put in some good work, and it's, it, the thing that's always just noticeable is there was a little bit of first-step quickness to him, to close out chances, and poked the puck away, he was noticeable defensively. He was. Uh, had a good
0: game, and defensive smarts is something that I still want to see more of, but his activity and, and at least knowing what to do when he's facing guys has been a, a positive. Sean from North Van, awesome show, guys. Love the Vitaly Kraftsoff trade, and love to hear what you guys think and how he'll fit in. Also wish there were more of these types of trades to come. I'm hoping to hear Paul Yarvey and Dante Fabro to the Canucks next. Love to hear what you guys think the cost would be for those guys. Sean from North Van. Now, in terms of the cost, I think Pull Yarvey, if anything,
3: he's a player that you're probably getting something to take off Edmonton's hands at this stage. There's a financial commitment, even beyond the cost of acquisition, that I think is going to scare a lot of teams, right? Like, Kraftstoff, it's a nothing contract. Nothing, it's an entry-level contract. But, pull Yarvey, you're talking about multiple millions of dollars here. Plus he's, he's owed owe close to a million the rest of the season, and he
0: doesn't have a contract next year, just a one-year deal. Yeah. But, it's still you're talking about a player who may be a healthy scratch that you have to pay a million bucks for, almost, for the rest of the season. And... What have we seen so far? Moving cash costs money, especially for guys that don't play. So I'd say if you're getting pull RV, you're probably getting something in return. Like are you getting maybe a fifth-round pick or something or something along those lines? So I'd say I'd only acquire pull RV, who I'm fine with for this season because he doesn't have a contract
3: next year. If right, but then you're free. dealing with ARB rulings and but I, 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 no, QOs. No. But to me, it's just take the contract, sure. get a
0: fifth, and then let him walk in the, as an RFA. That's all I'm saying. I mean, the Canucks have cap space i do that. Yeah. That's the only way i trade with Paul Garby, if you're giving me a pick to take him off your hands. Dante Fabro is going to cost you something, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a price the Canucks will be will pay. Now, as far as Vitaly Kraftsoff goes, the reason it makes sense to your point, all the Canucks gave up was a seventh-round pick and... Will Lockwood.
3: Well, the point I want to highlight here about the the Will Lockwood inclusion in this too is it doesn't add another body in the overall contracts mm-hmm. for the Vancouver Canucks, right? They remain at 47 contracts. We're getting to the start the the part of the calendar year so that college free agents are going to start signing. They're going to target yes. European free agents. So they didn't put themselves at 48 and can only bring in two new bodies. Obviously, a Luke Shen trade might come about here, but they maintain themselves at forty seven contracts. They can still go bring in three people, potentially four after a Luke Shen trade as well getting another contract off the books. I like that inclusion because like the Will Walkwood part had a trade off see some speed, brought some physicality there, but your speed is only as effective as effective as the angles that you play with. And too often, Will Lockwood got himself out of position mm-hmm. and had to use his speed to get back into the play. We're talking about Rottu, Yeah, the, the, the skating is a struggle, but he's never really in the wrong spot. Yes. It just it limits the effectiveness of how great of a play you can make. But You're never away from making a play. You're at least in the right area for the most part. You're doing something to influence a play, whether they have to go around you, whether you're just in the right spot to facilitate a, a pass, but you do have to work on a skating. Like, when you're playing with good angles, I can deal with less speed or less effective skating. Yes. When you're constantly chasing the game, then your, your speed doesn't really impact the play. And
0: that's Will Lockwood. A lot of skating, but you saw, like, just can't really keep up with the play. And I don't think he's a player the Canucks would have really qualified anyway. So for them, I don't think it was anything they felt like they lost. So they lost the guy, seventh-round pick. It's nothing. And the thing with Kraft saw, which is intriguing is he's a big frame, six foot three, and he has a really good release. He has a lot of skills. He does also have a lot of the same issues other players the Canucks have had sure. have, like Hoaglander. Details, do you get into the inside? Can you seal along a wall? Do you know how to play defensively? Do you hustle going back on the back check? He's not very versatile. He's not. Like He's, he's going to have to be a scorer. If you don't score goals, you're not going to play. Same thing with Niels Hoaglander, right? And one thing I mentioned on the mailbag yesterday on Canucks Central when people were asking, what can we expect in a Niels Hoaglander trade? And that's why I'm, I'm kind of cool on the idea of him getting move because his value is at a low right now so I'm like probably what you're looking at is if you're moving Hoaglander and we've heard the Canucks being interested in Kravtsov we knew this from last year if Vancouver calls on Kravtsov New York's going to say give us Hoaglander And that makes no sense for Vancouver because it's a similar type of player, Mm -hmm. but also you're giving a guy who has some control and value away for another guy who's a question mark the same way. And why would you trade Hoaglander at a low? So for me, it never made sense to trade Hoaglander for Kraftsov, and it doesn't make any sense for me to trade Hoaglander right now at a low anyways. But as soon as that value for Kraftsov went down, and all they wanted was to get him off the books to acquire Patrick Kane now and make the money work, it's completely worth it taking a seventh-round flyer. If I'm looking at a trait he has, it's the goal scoring. Yeah. If he can actually pop and score goals, this is how he's how he's a reclamation project project that's going to be successful. That that's how it's going to. He's not going to become an all around. He's going to have to be a goal scoring winger.
3: And here's the difference, right? There are obvious traits. Obviously the size, one thing we always say here, you can't teach size and speed. Obviously, he's got good mobility. Uses the size to protect the puck reasonably well. Yeah. He's got offensive instincts. You just have to capitalize on all those. He's a very silky player. You see him, he gets around the ice, knows how to slip a a check as well and, and work to the net and create some good offensive opportunities. You just need to be more consistent with it. Is there an opportunity here to try to flourish? Remains to be seen, obviously, right? This is another project. But here's the difference between projects we've seen in the past under the previous regime. There was a lot of projection and paying a premium for that projection saying, hey, we like this player, we'll give up a premium pick, Mm -hmm. and we hope he's going to be the version we think he can be. This is a no-cost acquisition. Twenty twenty-six, seventh, And a prospect, a third-round prospect that you've kind of exhausted the, the development opportunity in your franchise. So, bring him in at no cost. The upside is through the roof, and You've heard me say this when you're making trades. Everyone thinks, oh, you got to win every single trade. you got to win every single trade. Realistically, you probably want to win 60% of your trades because you need to take more chances like this. And some of them are going to work and some of them are not. Mm-hmm. But you take chances like this, if one of them hits, it's a big win. And you just need more transactions like this to try to mine value and find new stars. So I wasn't
0: as enamored with... I was okay with them trading Meyerberg for Stradnica, but it wasn't a move that I loved because you're trading a prospect. and Whatever, right? I didn't love the idea of trading a third for Dermot. I got it, but I didn't love the idea. Mm-hmm. Even a fifth for Bear, it's only a fifth. I don't worry about fourth and fifths as much as some people do. And they're valuable, sure, but yeah. I'm not going to cry over trading and a fifth for... Some of right. them are going to work, some of some them are not, but you have to take the chances. So I don't love that, but this one, seventh... All day... All day. If if that's what we're looking at for Reclamation Project, sure. Seventh round pick, give give it a shot. And about Kraftsov. The bet is that he's going to be able to come in in an environment where they're going to be giving guys a chance to see if they can build them into something, and it's going to be in a development environment to, a, to an extent, which is different from a we're-trying-to-win environment in New York with a coach that is trying to go deep in the playoffs. A completely different mentality. Can he come in with that mentality being slightly different, trying to develop him, and also have a support system where he's got, what, another six? There's like six Milstein clients on this team all of a sudden, right? And with that Russian contingent, yeah, sure. Panarin was there, and sure, Shosturkin was there. But for a young player coming in, those are star, superstar guys. Him coming in with with some of these guys here, maybe the environment they're also banking on as gets more comfortable, and maybe here he can he can become the player they had hoped he'd be. Because there is a lot of talent there for a player who was taken ninth overall in twenty eighteen, and obviously a lot of top ten picks do flunk out and don't become sure. anything. And or, but I understand what they're trying to do here, and if they are a successful, pick and moving out a Garland and moving out at Besser, and next year you flip a Bavillier, you need to have some internal options. And one issue this organization's had is the age gap.
3: No succession plans ever.
0: Yeah, and there's no age gap, right? And I don't think you should overspend on the age gap, and we saw the previous regime do this, trading second-round picks for Vays and Bayer Chiefs. That makes no sense to me, right? But late-round picks, sure. But they have to fill that gap with guys that f- that m- might become something long-term on, ch- on cheap contracts. And the only way you can acquire those guys is to sign to European free agents, college free agents, or trade for guys like Kravtsov who haven't worked out on a year old season and hope that one or two of them work out for you.
3: The backfill of players needed to be loaded up, right? We've talked about not having a pipeline of of, of prospects. You just bought far higher upside than Will Lockwood. Yeah, you did. And
0: also... A 7th round pick A chance for a 7th round pick To play games for you In the NHL Is like a percent 1% Kravtsov will play games for you And there's a higher upside He becomes something Right Than a normal 7th round pick Like literally When Kraftstoff plays his first game The trade is already a win In terms of what a 7th round pick Would yes. do for you right Yeah in that sense So that's why you can live with the value. There's more going on here in terms of what the Canucks might do by the deadline. Luke Shen, obviously, who has not yet been traded. So we'll talk about that, and we'll put a pin in the trade talk. But we have a bit more, and I'll share the latest we have on where the Canucks find themselves and the things they're looking to do at the trade deadline. But as far as this game is concerned, the Canucks lost 3-1 against the Bruins. And we were talking to Brett Festling earlier, and and I said after Brett mentioned how, you know what, the Canucks, even though they were being outplayed and out out. Manned, they did a good job of not falling apart, and they actually gave themselves a chance to almost tie the game late. And I said, you know what? I bet you, Vic, post game talk, it's going to mention he he liked what he saw, and the Canucks gave themselves a chance despite being heavily outplayed. And here's Rick talking, and listen to what he has to say about how he thought his team performed tonight.
4: I was proud of the guys, and I had five D right from the start. It's a Stanley Cup winning type of team built. Uh, I thought we hung in there. I thought the second, third, we actually, I think Boston had one chance in the second. Played well. I'm kind of proud of the guys. Some some of our top guys were a little tired. Um, They've been logging a lot of ice time, but we hung in there. That's the stuff. Two-one hockey game with a minute left. We almost make a play to tie it. So um, I got all positive today for me.
5: Do you have an update on Bear?
4: No. Not, Not the injuries yet, no
5: couple well, the guys brought up uh, your structure. Is this the type of team where that really comes into play, you know, to, to hang in there with the best team in the league? Yeah.
4: Well, you hit the pocket on a breakout about four or five times. That's, that's when, you know, it's coming, you know, instead of rimming or losing pucks. So I thought tonight we are broke up. and let, Like I said, that team's a structured team. So um, I thought we did some stuff tonight uh, we're chipping away at. So uh, to me, it was a step forward.
6: What did you think of that? Um, line.
4: Really good. I thought uh, that line was great. I think they've been great the last, you know, they've created an identity. I thought uh, Dakota Joshua's starting to play really well. Like, I, you know, early on I thought, <clears throat> but for me, he's starting to get an identity on our team, which we need, and uh, Alm too. Um, so that's a positive. And I thought the D, you know, having five of them, I mean, i I got to give a lot of uh, kudos to uh, Jeremy Colton down there because, you know, the guys we got called up there, the Bois and uh, Will and, uh, they, they, they're system guys, and I think it starts from Abbotsford. Uh, so kudos to him.
3: Rick, when you say the top guys, some of them are looking tired. They've played a lot, as
4: you yeah. said,
1: and you've been down and chasing these comebacks. Like, where's mm-hmm. that fine balance now between the process of trying to Learn what you've got with some of your younger guys, but also trying to come back and win hockey
4: games. Well, I, what I liked about them is, if you, sometimes you're not going to have it, right? And they didn't chase the game; they let the game. You know, it's okay. It's two, two nothing, two to one. Stay with it, and, and maybe in the past, you know, you you try st- you know you tried dangerous things, you know. And I didn't see that. You know, sometimes you don't have it, um, and you just play a smart hockey game. And sometimes you got to just kind of, you know, not get antsy. You know, like. Just from knowing, you know, just from watching, you know, even coaching great players when they don't have it, but they just they manage the game, and then they might score at the end. So instead of, you know, you're all in, you know, I don't have it, but I'm going to make some dumb plays. I didn't see that from those guys, and that's I, I really respected what they did tonight, even though they're tired. I mean, they're giving me 24, 25 minutes night, last couple of nights, and you know, eight hours of travel in one day is tough. So um, I like their mindset right now.
5: Dangerous things in the sense of like you try, you might take more risk when you're tired you mean
4: or well yeah i mean just throwing you know throwing a puck in the middle you, you just take gambles that you shouldn't you know it's two nothing who cares you know 30 minutes left you know we got a big goal we're back in the games instead of you know making a you know a play in the middle that you shouldn't and then all of a sudden it's three four or five nothing games over so um that's the stuff that uh, the mindset i love uh, to keep lo- preaching losing bear yeah changed the all right, but you had Quinn almost 30 minutes. Is he a guy that can manage that, you think, more sustainably? or is that? You know, well, I mean, I don't want to, you know, it, it last three, four games, you know, happenstance begins tonight, but I thought he competed tonight. I thought he, I mean, he goes back for pucks. He made some nice plays. So that's hard to play th- three games in a row, like close to 30. And um, and he's out there skating again. So he, we, gotta, we we got to manage it, though. You know, we can't play this kid 30 minutes every night. How about C-Law? I thought he hung in there. I thought, uh, you know, the last two, three games, you know, he's, he's hanging in there. You know, he's getting a taste of the NHL, um, and I think uh, he was good tonight. Um, you know, they, especially early, they had a bunch of shots. I thought a lot of shots were outside, but they had their chances. I mean, that team's – I mean, they come at you waves. But I thought we managed the, uh, the shot total pretty well. I mean, they had some dangerous shots, but I thought we uh, kept them from the outside. I know Thatcher had – hope that he was going to back up today and obviously he didn't he's did not get the clearance yet or is that a decision yeah he's almost a full go so it's whether he's in dallas or the next game we'll, we'll see him in the nets for sure coming this week take sound you sound more guys encouraged this game after yeah. a loss than you have after a couple of games is that is <laughs> yeah that accurate yeah like i'm really proud of this team i mean it, 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 i'm telling you i was on the bench guys were some guys were tired we had 5d um and we stuck with the system and the mindset and that goes a long way um And, you know, it's a couple of games now where, you know, two goal games, three goal games, we're hanging in there. Um, And, you know, like I said, I don't know about the third, but I know in the first period, the second period, Boston had one chance. I mean, to hold that team to one chance after, you know, obviously they dominated the first. um, I'm very encouraged. Take three goals to Dallas. I'm sorry? Take three goals to Dallas. Yeah.
0: Uh, That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 3-1 loss against the Boston Bruins, and hey, the Canucks may have lost, but the head coach very proud, said proud a number of times about the team's effort, and uh, we kind of predicted he would say something along those lines, and he kind of said, hey, we had good structure, yeah, we we, we had to battle here, but we had a chance, we gave ourselves a chance in this game, and and this is, what, this is something that uh, the man- management has spoken about about as well. It's like, hey, when you don't have your game, when you're getting out, man, like, what are you falling back on? What can, we can, what can you have that— What other the ways way- can you win? Or what other ways can you at least stay in a game yeah. and not completely fall apart? And, and I still think the Bruins, if they really wanted to at times, probably could have leaned more and done everything. But all you can do is play the game you're facing. And I understand where the coach is coming from. And this is not about to say this team is good or turned a corner or, or whatever. It's more about— Are you starting to adhere to certain rules when you're playing and not falling apart completely? It's small marginal gains, and I think those are the things we're talking about here.
3: Absolutely. 650-650. And speaking of just, like, finding other ways to win, I do want to address this question from Keith because we're talking about Kravstov and Ratu so far. Uh, Keith texting in, who projects higher should they hit their ceiling, Ratu or Kravstov? And I think this is interesting because... If they both hit 100% of what they're supposed to be, right? Krafsov could be a dynamic goal scorer, and that's all good. But that's why we're talking about the versatility. It feels like he can only do it that way. Mm -hmm. Like, if Ratu becomes a checking center, that's still a win. Like, if he becomes a dominant, defensive player that can tilt the ice... But maybe doesn't produce all the offense. Like that's still a good win to solve a problem as a third line center.
0: I, I still think the the I'd rather have the upside. I think the upside for Ratu is higher because he can be a two way centerman. because he
3: can do it different ways. He can, he has goal scoring instincts.
0: Yeah, he does. And, and I think what Kratzov if everything clicks for him, he'll be a goal scoring winger. That's probably has a lot of other flaws to his game, yes. which is okay, but it's more limited to the actions he can provide outside of scoring goals, whereas Ratu's overall value would be greater. So I'd still say Ratu's ceiling is
3: higher. I agree. And if he again, if he, if he hits 100% of what he could be, yeah. then we're talking about someone on both ends of the ice that could be dynamic. But even if he just hits 100% on the defensive end, because there's, there's instincts defensively. Yeah. There's real instincts and he d- good stick work and just knows how to funnel play out of the zone as well. That's a handy thing that he's got. You'd like to see his speed pick up a bit more so he can carry it. But he can win in the defensive side at the very least. If he develops both ends, that's the exciting bit.
0: Yeah, and that's something this team needs more of. Guys that can, you know, provide on both ends of the ice. And as far as defensemen go, he mentioned Rick Tockett, uh Breeze Bois and Wolanin. They're system guys, and kudos. And gave a lot of credit and kudos to Jeremy Colleton, the head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks. And that's something we've we've spoken about that there's a sense in the organization that the job Carlton is doing in Abbotsford is not only really good, but it's creating some synergy now with how Talk is trying to coach in terms of how they want players to play and the roles they want them to adhere to and, and how they can fit in. And you're starting to see some of that with those defensemen. Neither guy did anything special. I thought Willannon was still the stronger player tonight. And Wolanen just makes a lot of good, smart plays. And one thing I've noticed about him a lot, pick is in the neutral zone he will jump a lot of passes and pick up a lot of loose pucks and get the puck in and create zone entries with passes to his players. He has really good instincts in the neutral zone in defending and also picking off passes and getting the puck in. So I do like a lot of the things I've seen from Will Landon, but it was interesting to listen to Coach talk about how they're system guys, quote-unquote.
3: For sure. Uh, still work that needs to be done defensively. There was a couple of turnovers, or just a couple of miscommunications of passes. Yeah, One that went to a nice thing that he fired off, but another couple of plays where... He was just in the wrong spot, and someone expected him to be supporting. But, look, all that stuff can hopefully get cleared out over time. We're just talking about consistency. You just need a bigger sample of games to be able to look at this and say, oh, this is a regular habit for a player. But, yeah, there are things that he does, uh, certainly, that are attractive. 650-650. Uh, this one from talking about talking. no mention of the terrible start. Look, that's a fair statement. And of, he said his second and third. Yeah. He liked. Again, he. we we were discussing this earlier, though, too. It's like they they maintained – their structure of who they are, right? They didn't get caught running around with their head, chicken with their head cut off, and opening up more opportunities for Boston. They didn't tr- overextend themselves into mistakes to allow Boston. to get more picked scoring. apart. Yes. Again, it's did a they little- struggle at the start of the game? Of, course, of they course they did, and that's why we talked about like Boston. When they wanted to. Like, they're playing just a different game. They're playing of how do we create winning moments. And they won it in the first period and then just manage the game. But the whole this whole season has been a low bar. Yes. Like, w- the bar,
0: the, when we talk about improvement, we're talking about instead of getting their bl- doors blown off, they're losing in more professional ways. Like, this is what we're talking about. And I see people being like, you guys over, like, me saying the team is losing slightly better than before doesn't mean they're a good team. What, they're 3-5-2 now? under-talk it, after this game. Uh, long more than the that. Sorry, sorry, the last like ten. Three, five, and two since the Horvat trade. The Horvat trade, yeah. Three, five, and two since the Horvat trade. Three, five, and two. And they picked up what? They picked up points in three straight games, and people lost their minds about how good lost they were. It. It's like, oh my god! And then, but but the point being, like, we're saying they're they're improving marginally from being horrible. They're playing some of the worst defense we've seen in years in the National Hockey League. So when we were talking about improvements, we're talking about improvements from being not only bad.
3: There's bad. There's really bad. And then there's like, why are you playing in the NHL bad? So since talk, it took over, five, six, and two, uh, for the ninth worst record in the league. Five, six, and two. Yeah. And this is a bump, so to speak.
0: It's all relative. It's all relative. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dumbart Lumber text inbox, 656.50. We'll take more of your questions and your comments. We are going to get to player audio, and we'll keep breaking the game down, but we also will we'll get to the phone boards, and let's start right now with Don and Bella Bella. Don, thanks for hanging on to your phone line. Uh, what do you have for us tonight?
6: Well, hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say I really liked the uh, off uh, trade. Uh, didn't cost much and uh i just want to touch on myers um my wish is they buy him out and uh next year they can just play oel in the six hole on d next year because we seem to be you know anchored and stuck with the guy okay thanks
0: Yeah, thanks for the phone call i mean oel has been injured i'm not quite sure what's going to happen
3: um with him here? We've discussed the Myers buyout before. We'll rehash it here again. So when you buy out a contract, you're paying out the salary Yes, of what's remaining on a deal. Not any of the signing bonus. You pay out the salary. Tyler Myers' money next year is $5 million signing bonus and $1 million salary. So when you go to buy out over a $6 million AAV, it's not much of a savings because it's just a million dollars. So it winds up being $666,000 savings, which you may as well just bury him. Well, yeah. I mean, you save more money on the cap
0: by burying him, and you actually save more money by having him as a seventh defenseman than buying him out and having a league minimum player. So
3: it's it's just not a realistic proposition. It costs costs you more on the cap and cash buying him out than not. There's just no reason to do it. I understand people want to see a resolution to this and – not see him play many more games, especially not next season. But that's the worst possible way to out to 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 solve it. And there's just no realistic way that that's going to happen. No. Far more likely you see an OEL bio than a Tyler Myers bio Yes, because at least there's some reasonable logic to it. Yeah, there is. I mean, at least there's some benefits,
0: which we've kind of outlined quite mm-hmm. a few times here on the show and on the airwaves on Sportsnet 650. All right, Keep your thoughts coming in. And jokes, as always, we love the jokes for 60 uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. This one here. Uh, saw this joke to send it over to you guys. Vancouver Canucks web comments. On the plus side, we tied their goalie for goals. Love an optimist. So there we go. <laughs> uh, that's one joke. And this one says, Hey, uh, Bicken sat my 650 joke. Best cheer and hit tonight. Wes McCauley, referee on Marchand. And yeah, haven't talked about that much, but yeah, I think that's the most Marchand has been punished in this arena, and it was West McCauley running into West McCauley.
6: Man, that's
3: throwing a lot of strays at a lot of different Am people. I wrong? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I, I'm leaving that I'm leaving that one. I'm leaving <laughs> that
0: one. <laughs> All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on. we we'll are here from Arthur Silovs. We'll hear from Brock Besser. And the latest on the Canucks trade situations around the league right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
2: Now more of the Canucks Central post-game show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC, only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
5: It structures a lot, a lot of things. I mean, I think we're, we're playing much faster. Like you see it in our D zone. Where, uh, we're closing plays much quicker. We're getting out faster. And in the uh, neutral zone, we're, we're not just sitting back. We're pushing the pace, and we're sending two. And I think uh, you know we look faster as a team. And um, you know I think uh, I think we've made a lot of improvements in that in that sense.
0: That is Connor Garland. After Canucks lose three one on home nights against the Boston Bruins, and this is the Canuck Central post game show on Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Shaw with Nazar. and uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. We are going to get to some player audio coming up in a few minutes from Brock Best, But you heard Garland kind of mention some of the stuff that um, Talkett was mentioning, that they are playing faster, better structure. The players are, are singing from the same hymn book, it seems like, from the head coach at this point. So at least they're on the same page in that regard. They're taking the positives, but at the same time, it was very, very clearly one team that's farly superior, vastly superior, not feeling too stressed outside of maybe... What ninety seconds in the third when it was a two-one game and mm-hmm. Patterson and Kuzmenko had some chances. Outside of that, I don't think the Bruins were too stressed. But of course, I can understand why the Canucks are really leaning on the positives after tonight.
3: Yeah, a couple of consecutive shifts where they maybe would have got the tying goal. Uh, but look, we said it before. Yeah, the Bruins are very professional when they get a lead. And in the first period, they were the better team, no doubt it. When this when this game was in an equal state. Who was the best team on the ice? Boston. It was, it was the Boston Bruins, not even and it's 20-7 yeah. in shots in the first period. The chances were going their way in the first period. And this is what teams that – they're not just playing a hockey game. Like, once they figure out how to win, they're playing that game. Yes, And it looks like a different game because they just know how – I use the term putting their thumb on the scale because that's what they're doing. They know how to just win the game. They're not playing a game. They They know how to win the game. And it's a different – way they can go about it, because over the course of 82, they are going to ease off the pedal a little bit, and they still know how to just put you into low-value areas mm. and give up low-value shots, and that's what the Canucks were trying to get for essentially the first 40 minutes. Like There weren't a lot of chances in that second period. I mean, the Canucks barely
0: had any chance. I mean, Boston, and, and I get Boston, and I think Boston wasn't really leaning. The Canucks didn't create a ton of chances either, outside of a few we mentioned in the third, and late in the second, they had a couple of and chances. And their best
3: chances, like In the first, JT fans on two one-timers on the power play. Kuzmenko's trying to do a net front jam on the power play. Patterson blows up a stick in the second period. Some of their best chances went waning because – they fanned on shots. or Their sticks blew up. The Bavillier one,
0: I think Pedersen set him up with a east-west pass and a one-timer. He whiffed on the shot. Yeah. And he didn't get much on it. And so they had a few chances, and we all remember which ones they were, and not a ton more beyond that. A lot of reaction on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Colin from the Caribou, I don't care about a win either way tonight. What matters is a beautiful clean hit on Marchand. That's something that Colin and Caribou sent in earlier today, and now he responds and says, I'd like to buy Wes Macaulay a beer. Calling from Caribou, he got what he asked for uh, from the game tonight. It was worth the price of admission for fans in this building, and they they had a good chuckle. Yeah, they good had a good laugh. chuckle here. It was it was a good it was a good one. Yeah. Uh, this text unsigned. So proud of these guys for not allowing the team to blow us out. Boston completely packed it in after they went up two nothing. Bragging about any stats that happened after that is moronic. I mean, well, the thing is, like, there wasn't a lot of stats. That there wasn't. A, that's the point. There wasn't a lot of nobody's beg- begging about. It. I mean, maybe he means from the head coach's perspective. I do know there are a lot of people that don't like Rick Tockett. And it still goes back to the Bruce Boudreaux thing. There's somebody that always texts sure. it every day yeah. and it says, you guys keep overrating Tockett and yada, yada. And it's like, listen, man, all we can do is evaluate the games they got so far so and that's what they're texting
3: doing. texting today and like, he's not the best coach in the NHL. Nobody has claimed that he is better than John Cooper. He's better than Rod Brindamore. He's better than Jim Montgomery. On and on. Like, nobody has ever made that claim. So you're being disingenuous if you want to text that in. Has there been improvements as far as their overall play? Yeah. Have there been improvements in the results? No. But this is also, it's not one-dimensional here. Mm -hmm. This is also about talent gap, long-term process, Mm -hmm. overall team construction. There are so many different elements at at play here, and the results aren't that different from Rick talking to Bruce Boudreau, and that's why he's kind of downplayed the idea of results and just trying to do... As you've mentioned a lot like The rest of the season about training camp Nobody is sitting here and saying that Rick Tockett and Jared Bednar Are going to go head to head next week And Tockett's going to win Like Nobody nobody is suggesting that But you have to earn the right To say you're the best coach in the NHL And that's going to take years Years, bodies of work And right now You're at the infancy of this Mount Everest-like climb It's like taking the first step on a hike and be like You know what, we're not going to make it yeah, and it's like, oh,
0: is it any better? It's like, well, you're trying to put one foot in front of the other, right? And instead of trying to put two foot's feet sideways before stepping forward, we're just saying to step forward. And I ask to listen and to listen to context and also what words truly mean. Improvement does not mean great. Improvement also does not mean amazing. Improvement also doesn't mean good. Improvement just means better than what it was. And better than what it was was a super low bar. And being slightly better than what it was is a step in the right direction, but nowhere near getting to the point you need to get to to be successful. And we're talking about marginal improvements, and that's what's being
3: discussed more than anything else. This is an oil tanker to turn around. It's going to take time. This is not you going the wrong way in the street and stopping on a dive and be like, no, wait, I was supposed to go west, not east. This is going to take a while. And these are the first steps that we're seeing of the Taka regime. And now we're starting to get to you know the the still early steps of the management group still plotting this out it's you make exciting trades like they've done today potential high upside and you might solve a problem in your organization but this is still early early returns on what could be a multi-year project yeah For this group. And that's the thing more than anything else. Brandon and Poco, what's the difference between the
0: snow and the Vancouver Canucks? At least you'll notice the snow. That's Brandon and Poco texting in. Jokes for 60, man. We love the jokes for 60. Uh, Before we get to player audio, we'll get to uh, Brock Besser and Arthur Silovs, who we'll talk about as well coming up as the show goes on here. But uh, people asking about trade stuff. We mentioned the Kraftsoft trade the Canucks made earlier today. Luke Shen is being held out of the lineup until they find a trade for him. And people are wondering what's going on with his situation. I've done some checking in to see what's going on and nothing's changed. They feel like there is a market there for him, but the market is kind of stuck because there's still Gavrikov out there. There's still Jacob Chickering kind of hanging around. And some of the teams that are in on Luke Shen are in on those players as well. So until there's more clarity on some of those guys, that real push for Shen is not going to happen. I think there was a hope and there was a sentiment around the league that Gavrikov was going to end up in Boston. And last week when the Canucks took out uh, Shen from the lineup, there was stuff actually heating up, and that's why he came out of the lineup. But then the 180 happened, and Boston traded for Orlov, and Gavrikov's still on the market. So until the Gavrikov situation gets really figured out, or teams realize whether they're truly in or out, until they figure out they're out, the Shen thing's going to hold a bit. So there's not really news on it, but that's why people wondering when is it going to happen, kind of waiting on the Gavrikov resolution one way or another before we see the Shen domino fall.
3: And also, there's just going to be a, a new secondary market that jumps into this as well, right? Like what happens with John Klingberg. And look, different profiles of players, but John Klingberg's name is going to be involved. Shane bear, I know Elliot has mentioned that in the past couple of weeks here. Florida, if they start sliding out, if someone names like Radko Gouda is going to join, Rick Nick Jensen out of Washington, there's going to be a flood of other names joining in here as part of the overall D-man trade market. Different styles for different buyers, obviously, but there's going to be a flood of players in these next couple of days here that join the overall trade list, too. Yeah, and that, those are the types of things that you're kind of looking at. I know Vancouver's also
0: considered doing the retention thing, playing a third, you know, being a third-party broker. we see Minnesota do this, where, where they've taken on Ryan O'Reilly's contract. Uh, who else did they take on just a few days ago? Um, there was the... Um, it was the Orloff trade. They took back Orloff's contract, Minnesota. They played third-party broker on that as well. So they've done two tra- trades like that already. And they've acquired a so fourth. Vancouver. Start, no, I, I mean, yeah. So those are the trades that have happened where a team's done that. Vancouver, I believe, is considering or has been in on, on those things. The, the the thing to keep in mind here is there's competition now to play a third-party broker. So that means when a team comes out and says, all right, we want somebody to play third-party broker, teams are like bidding down, essentially. So... You have multiple teams, and I think Minnesota saying we'll do it for a fifth, we'll do it for a fourth in a couple of situations got them the inside edge. So when there's competition for teams that are trying to play third-party broker, that means teams are willing to do it for less. And even the uh, Chicago Blackhawks taking on Zaitsev, normally a $6 million salary or $6 million of money is cost you a first-round pick. And instead, they did it for a second and a future fourth first round value but, but not a first round pick in a future for but yeah. basically what basically Chicago said was we'll do this other people want a first round pick from you we'll do it for under a first round pick and that's how that happened so unless you're willing to like downbid that's where it gets hard to play third party broker right now with other teams vying for the same situation so that's kind of the latest on the, the trade situation. We'll see what else the Canucks do with about a week to go to the NHL trade deadline. More reaction on the text inbox. We'll get to that as the show goes on here. But we mentioned we were going to get to player audio with the Canucks losing 3 1 here. And one player who scored a goal tonight and got to Canucks within one for a few minutes and made it interesting was Brock Besser. And here he is talking about what happened this evening.
5: Um, yeah, I thought um, we got better as the game went on and um, we stuck with it and stayed patient. And I thought um, we we stayed pretty composed after that first period. So, um, you know, that's a good thing for our group. Um, I thought we battled till then,
2: too. Rick has talked a lot about how important the process is here the rest of the way in the year. Obviously, not the result you wanted, but from a process standpoint, can you build some confidence from that?
5: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, uh, being down by a goal um, that late in the game against probably the best team in the NHL, it's... uh, I think we should look at that as a plus and a positive, and um, definitely should build off it. And um, you know, we played a really good team next game, so um, we'll see what we can do there.
2: What in your mind? What makes them
3: the best team in the National when you're playing against yes, the Is there anything down in down particular stands out high? about the way they
4: play? Yeah.
5: Um. Yeah, I think you know, just their whole group. They're so predictable. Um, you know, they they know what they're looking for on their breakouts. Um, you know they know they know what they're looking for in the offensive zone when they when they get control of the puck and um, yeah I mean um, you know they play the right way they play hard their D have good gaps so um, it's definitely a hard team to play against and it's hard to create chances against a team like that so um, we can definitely learn from some of the things they do and, and and go from there. No mistakes.
1: No mistakes. They just don't make mistakes.
5: No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that kind of comes with predictability.
4: What about your uh...
5: I think uh, you know Mills did a good forecheck check there and uh, I knew Garza saw me and a lucky bounce off the net and just kind of shocked that it went in so. yeah, um, You did go into the trade deadline How are you feeling from all that? Yeah uh, I just come to the rink every day um, just trying to be better for our team and, and get better and um, I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, I haven't known what's going to happen in the last few months. So, you know, I'm just going to um, bank on staying here, and you know, we'll see what happens.
6: Tell, Hallmark was loading up to try what he tried.
5: Yeah, we, uh, I think three of us threw our six in there, and it still got by us, so um, it's unfortunate. Um, I, I, I should have made a better play there. I didn't realize I had that much time. Um, so I'll take blame for that one. What well, your goalie? I mean, it's a pretty good story. A young kid stepping in, facing the
4: best team in the National Hockey League. Providing some pretty credible goaltending
5: here. Yeah, he had some big saves for us tonight, especially in the first period there. And um, I think he's gaining confidence as he keeps playing at games. And um, you know, it's it's awesome to see. Uh, you know, he's a he's a great goaltender, and um, you know, any NHL experience is, is a good experience. So I'm um, I'm pretty happy for him. Pretty much the longest standing Canuck now. Is that a strange feeling to see that you're the old guy in the room? some way. Yeah, it's, it's 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 weird to say that when I mean, I'm in my sixth year of the longest <laughs> tenure at Canuck. Is, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's definitely weird, and, um, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> You're on the wrong side of your 20s now. Bro. All right. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> that is Brock Besser uh, post-game meeting with the media. And if you uh, missed what, what they were laughing at at the end of it, it was uh, Murph uh, chiming, ch- chirping him, saying, you're on the wrong side of your 20s. Because <laughs> he's in the in the second phase of his 20s and having been in Vancouver now six years, the longest tenured current Vancouver Canuck. Pretty wild. Man, time flies. You know, it's funny because Brock Besser's rookie season was year one of this radio station. Mm-hmm. I'm just flashing on all those memories. <laughs> this radio station has been around for longer than most Canucks. <laughs> kind of tells you about how much turnover there's been.
3: The foam hat yeah. thing that we had <laughs> with the, the flow the and flow, all that sort yeah. of stuff. Oh,
0: Man. yeah. Yeah, six years a ago. Long time ago. Time flies. Uh, sometimes change, things change a lot, but also not as much. So uh, that's where things are at. Uh, we have some questions here. This one uh, from our friend Bernie in Kelowna. I messaged uh, about... Whether the Canucks should pick up Jake Lecision off waivers. He's a centerman, you know, about five eleven. He has a couple years left on his contract on a one-way deal. I'd say no. Doesn't move the needle enough for me. I don't think he's done enough. And the fact he has a couple years left, it's not much. It's still seven hundred or some k. But why commit to another player with two years of, you know, guaranteed money, even though it's minimal, who hasn't shown anything? I just don't. I don't know if that we if he owes an RFA at the end of the year, maybe. But I just don't. I don't know if it makes any sense to to. Uh, commit to that cash.
3: And the thing that I point out earlier about the, the contracts that you have on your books, you have 47 right now, yes. you add another one, that means one less free agent you can bring in mm-hmm. uh, for a college or a European free agent. So, again, like I don't really have anything against a player, to be honest. Like I think he's a fine player and can skate a little bit. and it, It'd be a fine waiver claim. But would I rather an extra free agent? Yes. And, well, and that's outside of what the analysis of the player, I'd rather just have more opportunities to get someone younger that you can mold yourself.
0: And even if you feel like you have enough spots for this year, it's more about committing two more years of spots to a guy who may not play for you a lot. And that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to a player like Jake LeCision who finds himself on waivers. Now, could the Canucks explore other players like that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look at who's playing for them now. Look at what they're trying to accomplish. And one of the things that we discussed over the past couple weeks was as much as we're sitting here talking about the Canucks trying to move guys out, if they can get enough assets and have flexibility, they may add players. And they did that with Kravtsov. They moved Lockwood but got him in. But I think they're also looking to use this opportunity here, Pick, to... Can we find deals when everybody's talking to do things long-term that help us? You know, so I know people say, well, why add a winger? Why add this guy? It's not about this year. It's about long-term, adding players who can vie for positions in a year or two.
3: Whereas, like, Kravtsov's got big upside. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between some of that. Like, Kravtsov and Lachizan. The, the version of isn't working, you might get a fourth line center. Yeah. And the version of Kraftsoff working, you might get a first line winger.
0: Yeah. And I'd rather take that gamble than the other side just because of it. Now, uh, a lot of reaction on our text inbox. We'll get to more of it. And we'll hear from Archer Silovs and talk more goalies as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on Satin Bake on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
5: Uh, I thought we were pretty um, average in the first, but uh, I thought after that we kind of, you know, played well, played, uh, played our structure, got out of the zone fast. Um, that's a That's a very good team. You know, they don't have any... Weakness, uh, deep all-pairings, deep four lines, and one of the best goalies in the league. So um, that's a hard team to beat, but you know, I thought we fought there. Um, just didn't really give ourselves a chance on six on five, but, uh, you know, just a, the first period kind of hurt us, but I thought we
6: are good after that.
0: That is Connor Garland uh, after the Canucks lose 3-1 against the Boston Bruins, and I kept thinking of the switch Swiss coach. Woolwend they're bigger they're faster they're stronger than us <laughs> and that's kind of what I was thinking about uh, where Garland and Garland was you know obviously uh, giving praise to his team for sticking in there and that's been the common phrase we've heard from, from Besser we heard it from Rick Talkett proud of the players with how they hung in there against the Bruins ultimately losing 3-1 and this is the Canuck Central Post Game show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network Satyar Shah Bik Nazar, and keep those thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 and Man it kind of struck a chord here, uh, Scott and Pomo, Hey guys, I remember when this station started, and how Besser burst onto the scene that year, and how exciting that was. It will be sad to see him get traded, but it happens that's Scott and Pomo, but will he get traded? I mean, he himself said I'm banking on staying here by the deadline. I'd actually say the smart money is on him on him staying at the deadline. We'll see what the offseason has uh has in store for us if you're looking at any if you're looking at any indication of perhaps he could move. The Nino Niederreiter trade today, with Nashville trading him to the Winnipeg Jets, and Sammy uh, and Kasperi getting claimed off waivers, who has another year on his contract as well. To see those two guys get moved, who have term left, maybe just maybe it's an indication of some teams now being willing to take on a guy with term because their other options aren't available. So maybe just maybe there is a chance, but I I'd still kind of shade that Bester getting moved is still unlikely by the deadline given. His contract situation.
3: And for someone like Nito Niederreiter, right? Like, he scored some goals this year. Yeah. And he, he just overall is a good defensive winger. Um, so, a little bit of value there. Um, 28 points on the year. Brock's in at 37. But a lot of it coming by way of assists when you're labeled as a goal scorer, right? Brock's going to have to do some work to try to get back to that 20 spot. But that's the thing. It's If you're going to be a winger... Some people want goals from the wing and you don't need a rider because popped some in this year. Yeah. And, and so suddenly someone's like, yeah, second round pick, sure. Four matters, you know, and, and
0: I think, and what would he say about Besser? If the Canucks can get a second and get the money off the books, I think that's sufficient value. But right now, teams want Vancouver to retain salary. So Vancouver probably says, hey, I'll retain salary, but what am I getting to retain salary? And I've mentioned this before. Alvin to an interview with Ian McIntyre, who unfortunately will not join us tonight. Uh, just too much work for him to get done uh, to, to join us on an early start here. But he mentioned in, in the Q&A with him that the cost of retaining money, we know what that is. They themselves send $3.5 million to Chicago, cost a second-round pick. So he's probably saying, if I'm retaining a million and a bit this year, next year, and the year afterwards, that's close to $3 million in money. So just to retain, I want a second-round pick. But also, the player has value. I also want a second-round pick for the player. Which is the right thing to ask. It is the right thing to ask. Why retain to get just a second-round pick? You want something in addition to do that. And right now, that seems unlikely. But in the offseason, when teams have more cap space, maybe somebody comes and says, hey, we'll give you equivalent to a second-round pick, and you don't need to retain money. Then it becomes a bit more
3: palatable. And could that be more likely in the offseason, potentially? It's a way to play the game. And as we've detailed as well, you look at the free agent class this year. If you're a team that intends to improve... In the summer You're going to be hard pressed to do it in the free agency Unless Dylan Larkin Goes to market Unless David Pastrnak goes to market And there's some heavyweights on there It's hard to find real needle movers mm-hmm. In free agency yeah. And what's going to happen is someone's going to get overpriced And say hey I don't want to do that Where else can I get better Can I go undervalue shopping in the trade market And there can someone materialize And say you know what Retention five months ago was a problem Now let's just do the trade Yeah, And I think that's the bet you try to make, that in the summer, someone's priorities shift because Mm. they can't solve the problems via free agency. And
0: there's no free agents available almost. I mean, You know, most of their free agents are on one team, the team you saw tonight, the Boston Bruins. Not joking. Like Bergeron, Krejci are two of the top free agents available, and they're either retiring or going back to Boston. Dylan Larkin, top free agent, probably going back to Detroit. Once those guys are gone, there's almost like Max Domi might be one of the top free agents. Max Domi!
3: and you, like you just let teams say hey 3 million for 4 years whatever 12 million total you just like let other teams do that yeah and if there's going to be a bidding war someone's going to be left thing well we missed out on Max Domi how do we try to solve this elsewhere yeah or we missed out on this winger whatever it is
0: yeah and right now it's like two more years but once you get into next year it's like well it's two years is this season and next year maybe it's more palatable and that's why again on Besser more likely something happens in the offseason but never say
3: never we're we're six days away from the trade deadline and uh I I think we'll see. We we talked about this. I think at this stage the only way it's gonna happen is if there's some secondary assets attached to it. And I don't mean draft picks. If there's just some other prospects in the system. You say, you know what, to make this trade and if we're getting something valuable back that we actually want treasure, if it's a first-round pick because we're attaching more, I think that's the way to do it because you can decrease the overall value of what the trade is. And I don't mean you can decrease the perceived value. I'm just talking about the dollars. Right. If someone's getting – I'm not suggesting this is going to happen, but if someone's getting Brock and Nils Hoaglander, instead of saying I'm getting one player for 6.65, I'm getting two players for 7.5. Yeah. That's how it's going to be viewed as. And say, hey, I can solve – two problems problems on my roster and and Nils Hoaglander is a functional NHL player it's just about working on some details but if someone else wants to take on that development path and say hey at the ELC that's fine I'll deal with that that's how you can change the value of the trade
0: Well, and then you look at it and you say as as an acquiring team hey it might be worth giving up the first because we got this guy for two years. who's going to score for us, and then this guy after that might be the guy Five, long six term. years. Yes, and it's like that's worth sacrificing a good pick for, right? And and that's how it may come together. But again, more long. I'm still starts. highly skeptical. Exactly, us, and yes. it's just presenting more, you know, how it happens and could happen versus what is more likely to happen. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages here, but let's continue on when it comes to player audio and a guy who's getting a lot of love on the text inbox, also on social media. And you heard the coach also <sighs> give him kudos. Is Arturs? Sidlovs, not Linus Allmark, but Arthur Sidlovs. And Arthur Sidlovs met with the media after a 3 1 loss against the Bruins, and here's what he had to say. Uh,
6: I think it was a uh, good enough game. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, top the team in the, le- the league. I think we played well, you know, good kills, good blocks. We managed to score. Uh, couldn't score the second one, but it happens, you know.
2: How about for you personally? Overall, what does it do for your confidence to have a pretty solid game against
3: a team like
6: that? Uh, for sure, it's like with confidence, you know, uh, like playing more games, like getting easier, you know, like adjusting to all the kind of stuff, you know. So I think for me, it was like much easier to play today, you know, even the, f- the second game, right, or third. Marsh
5: angle, every cut back ends up a
3: bit like the Zavanjak goal. Like, holy smokes, these guys can score.
6: Yeah, it was a good goal, you know, post and, like, uh, I don't know if I could reach that, probably not, but that's a good shot, you yeah. know. One goalie?
5: Yeah, I was going to say, from one goalie to the other, I mean, what do you think of Omar
4: scoring
6: a goal? Yeah, that's uh, kind of nice, you know, like, never seen that before, so, I mean, good for him.
0: <laughs> that is Archer Silov's uh, after That's the so game. That's so cool. He's so calm. He's he so calm.
3: like, yeah, goalie scored. Cool. Yeah, it's cool Good cool, for
0: cool, him. Cool, cool. If I was in it, <laughs> I would have saved. I would have made that <laughs> save. That Mark couldn't stop the puck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David from Kelowna text. And I listen to the pre and post game show every game after Ian. I shut my phone off. Jokes for 60. I can stop listening now. <laughs> no, you know, I'd say we're working on something. I can't tell you. But if if we if we are fortunate enough we might have a special guest come in. It, it we might be, have a special closer coming in. It, it would be very timely too. Yeah, to talk net minding. But we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. We're
3: efforting. Is that iMac could not make it? Someone called me out yesterday on the show cuz I said efforting a couple of times. Oh,
0: it's not a real word, no. I know, but like we know it's not a real We're, word. It's not a real word, but the reason it's 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 used in sports vernacular. Yes. It is. Like it's, it's sports slang. It's sports slang. It is. It's a made-up word that sports – and it's usually used – They were joking about it, to be fair. Yeah, I know. But it's but, usually – for people wondering, what are you talking about? Usually it's used with when, uh, when sports people talking about we're trying to get a guess. We're efforting a guess. We're efforting to get this person on. And it's the like reason- fake working hard. Exactly. It's just Honestly, <laughs> it's a fake word producers use to show that they have some value. Before Josh, essentially, boys, like,
3: what? <laughs> essentially what it is is we sent one text message. Yeah, That's I, pro-
0: I sent. I'm, I'm working hard to get this guy on. What did you do? I'm waiting to hear back. It's been 15 minutes. What is it? What else have you done? Just call the guy.
3: Manifesting
0: the thoughts. Please call me back. Please call me back. <laughs> That's what efforting looks like. Yes, that is efforting. Uh, keep, keep your thoughts coming in, Josh. Texting in now. I'm afraid to not cry tonight. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, Josh catching straight. Josh is like, I-, I thought the most stressful thing for me was getting home this evening, <laughs> but oh, yeah. no, it's please not everyone drive safe. Yeah,
3: Please do drive safe. Uh, this one, Calgary seems like a team that could use secondary scoring if they think Besser can still score, add some depth defense. Besser and Shen, for a pick, also assigned, frees up two contracts to sign those college free agents. It- Absolutely. Just what is Calgary's motivation right now? What well, no, are, are they sliding out too fast?
0: That, but I do think Calgary might be willing to do it. Their biggest impediment to trading for Besser is the fact they have no cap space next season because mm-hmm. they have the Huberto money kicking in, the Uyghur money kicking in, and you know they have other, some other contracts on the books. They don't have a lot of cap space next year. The only way this trade could work is if the Canucks take on Nikita Zadorov. But if you take him on, they're losing a player that they want as well. So it's it's just hard to work out a deal that makes sense for. Calgary beyond this season.
3: They are locked into that team for mm-hmm. time. Yeah. They have Kadri the deal, who's, oh, yeah, I think, been better than people realize, but Tuberdo's locked in. Uyghurs locked in. Blake Coleman's locked in. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane's locked in. Rasmus Anderson, who's a good player. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of money. I think they have, like, less than $2 million next year. Mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom was locked in.
0: Yeah, and he struggled. I mean, they went to Volador in back-to-back nights.
3: Yeah, and they're down already 2 nothing to the Avs.
0: Doesn't look good. And
3: and marks them in net tonight.
0: Yeah, they're in trouble. It does not look very good for them. So that's why, that's the other side of it. Not only do they have a lot of cap space, do they not have a lot of cap space, you also see a lot of issues. Not a lot of flexibility. Yeah, also with how they're playing as a
3: team. Now, Bick. Sorry. What, what, what did you I was going to say, while we're talking about other NHL teams, should I do the out-of-town scoreboard? You know what? I was just going to tell you oh. to do that. See? It's
0: what insane- are we, the
3: Boston Bruins, the <laughs> broadcasters right now, just working together so well? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so out-of-town scoreboard. Senators beat the Montreal Canadiens 5-2. So Ottawa uh, already kind of up on Vancouver. Uh, they came in uh, seven points up, and now mm. they're nine points up on Vancouver. Montreal is probably the one that best helps, but Montreal still three points up on Vancouver in the draft lottery. Uh, Flyers lose 7 nothing to New Jersey. Uh, Flyers uh, maintain a five-point lead on Vancouver. The big one, though. Anaheim Ducks win in regulation on the road in Carolina. That is a huge win for the draft lottery odds. Uh, Anaheim gets their ninth regulation win on the year, so they are now six points back of Vancouver with 45. And uh, Blue Jackets also won in regulation versus the Oilers today, so they are eight points back of Vancouver Columbus holding the best lottery odds uh, right now and currently playing Blackhawks, and San Jose. So there's potential, like someone's going to win in there.
0: Somebody's gaining points. Somebody is gaining two points on Vancouver, and potentially somebody's gaining two points, and another one is gaining one point, if it
3: goes to overtime. I think best case scenario, it's a Chicago overtime win. Because that would put Chicago at 47, San Jose at 48, and really compresses everyone in that group. You'd be four points removed, uh, but we'll see how that advances throughout the course of the evening, but right now with twelve minutes to go in the first period. So it's early returns, they've already three goals. On a night when Patrick Marlowe's jersey was retired. So that game took a while to get going. It was yeah. like an hour ceremony. And
0: so what's also what's happened here is teams ahead of Vancouver, Philly lost, and so did the Montreal Canadiens. And Vancouver is three points behind uh, Montreal, but they're also five points back of Philly, but also two games in hand for the Flyers. However, the Canucks now have some pretty tough games coming up, yeah. so we'll we'll see ultimately how that comes together. And the Senators getting the victory at least puts them to sixty points yeah. and kind of out of range for Vancouver to catch.
3: And really quickly, while I was talking. Uh, Valerie Natushkin has put uh, Calgary or Colorado up 3-0. So it's going from bad to worse real fast in Calgary. Yes, yes, absolutely. Man, it's rough for those
0: guys. And just kind of wrapping it up on, on the standings, so Ottawa has a 10th worst record currently, and they're 9 points up on Vancouver. So essentially Vancouver is guaranteed to finish in bottom 9, it seems like it. At this stage, it'll be interesting to see how close they can get to that bottom five if they keep losing and the season goes the way it's going. But, yeah, that's what's happening right now. Yeah, rough rough spots for a lot of teams, but at the same time, it's, it's not a bad thing uh, in terms of getting that high draft pick if that's
3: how the season goes, Bick. Uh, what's that? Sorry. Oh, I was no. trying to catch one text here. Oh, read the text. Uh, jokes for 60, we're efforting to get you a surprise closer. Yes. F-Wording, f wording. Oh, yes. It. Yes. <laughs> I was going to bypass that part, but yes. It, it really does make the text. It does. Guess uh, how to take it out. <laughs> Trying to sanitize the text doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, this one, Suri Ryan, Markey is just another reason. Uh, another example of why goalies should always be on max three-year deals and $6 million at most. Season to season is just too much of a wild card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, It probably is. David Falcounas. It's it's tough, man. Like goalies are going to get paid, especially when they go to market.
0: They do, and that's why it was always scary to give Markstrom six times six. And I, you know, that's a line I didn't want to cross to give him. It worked out for a little bit. It's just it's so unpredictable that position, especially for guys in their thirties. Wanted the follow up text. Has
3: it really worked out? No, it worked out early. As I worked out last year for them, Markstrom was good for them last year. Sure, but like by and large, do you think that they spend that money and it's like, wow, the best thing that's happened is one round? Oh, no, I'm not saying it's
0: worked, I said it worked out for them early on. Mm-hmm. It worked out for them last year. I mean, last year they were really good. Markstrom played well. He was a Vesna mm-hmm. nominee last season. He was a Vesna mm-hmm. finalist, wasn't he? So he had a good year. But
3: Well, the first year they missed the playoffs. Yeah. The second so, year? So out of three years now... They got in one playoff round.
0: Yeah, and they got a one Vesna nomination. And this year it's really bad. The first year it was like the whole team was. It wasn't just Markstrom; like he struggled. Mm-hmm. But if anything, if you looked a bit deeper, you saw the team was horrible, and they made the coaching change and yep. everything like that. But this year his game has. Truly fallen off, like it actually has, and uh, that's a scary part about Markstrom. What's going on there? David from Kelowna follows up and says, "Yeah, I'm still here. Don't want to miss any of, uh, miss all of your knowledge." Gee, that could be a joke for sixty. Just kidding. Love your show, uh, David. I like it. Uh, good thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Six fifty, six fifty. I did want to go back to one thing though, Bic, We were talking earlier uh, about what Rick Talkett had to say post game. One player he mentioned, uh, well. Well, a few. A few, but one player he really mentioned was Dakota Joshua.
3: Fourth line, creating identity.
0: Yes, they're creating an identity, L- like Oman as well, but said Joshua's playing really well. Joshua, we know this year, has shown some size, some speed, gets in on the forecheck, and score decent hands too, right? The question was, can he... Do the things the coach wants. Can he play along the walls like we mentioned? Can he win those battles? Can he find a role on the PK? We mentioned during the intermission, the second intermission, that there was a PK where he got a couple of clears. He was pressuring well. He's, he's finding a role there. Threw a
3: big hit late in the game too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he creates some offense as well. And it seems like Talkett's is the right type of coach to try to get through to a player like a Dakota Joshua.
3: I really want to see him with a truly consistent and effective center. Yeah. Because I don't know if he's going to be the primary guy on a line. But I think he can be a really, really good secondary player in a line. And if you get another semi-play driver, again, we're talking about depth. But if you can get another play driver, I think you'll really see the effectiveness of Dakota Joshua. Because he's got good hands, you mentioned. And below the hash marks, I think he can create for others. And he's got good vision. Really exciting pieces. Fragments you can see. But I think you just need other horses to go along with them, And I really want to see a center who goes with them and maybe another scorer on that line. But whatever it is, there can be an identity, and Dakota Joshua can get the most out of someone else who helps Mm -hmm. drive play for him. And I think once that happens, I think you'll see a really popular fourth line on this team. Yeah, and... I don't know if he's going to become a nastier player. Like, he's tough
0: and he fights, but he's not like a pest in your face, mm-hmm. going to grab you by the scruff of the neck consistently and try to get under your skin. Like, he's not like that. He doesn't have to become any one thing, but he feels like he can do a lot of things. But he doesn't need to do that. Yeah. If he becomes just a better all-around player and can kind of find a role on the PK and play well along the boards and, and have the coaches trust, then he's a guy that's going to be able to lean get leaned on more. And, you know, an extension of the fourth line, and talk had mentioned that you like Niels Oman's game. I like Neil Oma's game tonight too, and there was a shift in particular in the third period, Bick, where he was really forechecking well, and he actually caused a couple turnovers and disruption, and, and led to a shift where the Canucks had pressure on the offensive zone. What he used on that play, what what he used, which I liked from him, is he's rangy, and he's disruptive with his reach, and he's got you know he's got length, he's got decent speed. He's got to get better, but I like that aspect of his game, and I like that forechecking shift he showed in the third period. And I think that's one of the reasons why the coach liked his play.
3: Are they low-key, like, building a basketball team here? Because Aturatu's 6'2", Kravtsov's 6'3", Nozalman's well, got some team. Well, they're a
0: small team. Yeah. They've been a small team. They've been a soft team. And, and it's not soft. I don't mean soft because they don't fight guys, but soft because they're on the outside a lot. You know, like, this is not a team that wins a lot of battles. You know, and generally, they haven't been. They need size. They need guys
3: who can win along the walls and win, win in the tough areas. They don't get enough of that. How do you... In- Engineer just creases in play, right? You yeah. lean on guys and work through contact. That's why teams are always going to covet size. You talk about traits. Uh, size is just something that it just shows up. Yeah. You have it. But you have to be able to do something you with it. You have to be effective with your size, yes. of course. But you have to start from a baseline of having it. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and to his credit, like Neil Oman isn't shy from using his size. Yeah. I'm not saying like throws his body around, but he knows he how to gets be effect- in people's I- yeah. space. But he knows how, he knows how to win with leverage. Yes, you just become more consistent with it. That's the thing. Um, we'll see if that's another development plan. I don't want to say it's stuttered for him, but obviously, like you go down, you come back up. But it, it, it's been a win of a transaction for them to, of a find. It just it's still waiting to see the true upside of that, and it might take another year or two, but. Uh, in the short term, uh, I could find and wait to see how Nils Oman continues to develop. Yeah, and just
0: the marginal little improvements we saw from those guys
3: here. I just want to highlight one other thing yes. uh, Target said, because I know we've been talking about this as well. But he was asked about the top guys taking a lot of minutes, and he says, yeah, top guys started getting tired after logging this many minutes. <laughs> now he just said that it's still all positive for me, but he did go out of his way to mention top guys are getting tired and maybe making a few more mistakes after logging a lot of minutes.
0: And he also uh, did say um, that Quinn can't play 30 minutes a night. He said we can't we got to manage that. We can't do that, you know? So he's aware of it and there's a cost to it. There is a law of
3: diminishing returns.
0: Of course there is. It's a real thing. It's like eating donuts. The first one's okay. The second one, I'm not quite sure how you feel about it. the third one. You're you're hunching over cuz you're feeling sick and horrible by yourself. That's kind of how it goes. You speak from
3: ex- experience? That's why I don't like donuts. I, I certainly don't. <laughs> that, that's why I, I can use I like one donut
0: never. every once in a while. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Uh, 6.50, 6.50. Let's get a few more texts in before we call the night uh, for the evening. Um, let me see what's gonna be <laughs> You're
3: not going to read the brand and Poe Cohen, are you? You, you want to read it? You can go ahead and read <laughs> it. Why would I read All right. Telling the Canucks to win games makes about as much sense as telling Rick Tocket to use a hairbrush. <laughs> Come Hey-o. on. Oh, huh. You can say that about Bick as well. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Ah beans. <laughs> ah beans, walked into that one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go ahead and read it. Please. I knew exactly <laughs> what I was walking into, and I was like, no, no. Here's Stop. Charlie Brown up with Lucy kicking the hole fold- <laughs> holding the football.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, okay, before we wrap it up here for the evening, and we appreciate everybody Remember listening. Remember when Linus Olmrich scored a goalie goal? Oh my goodness, what a day! That happened earlier tonight. What a yeah, day! It's incredible. It's incredible being able to be able to see that in person here. Um, on Ethan Bear. So the Canucks have now run through a number of defensemen. Um, They're at Willan, and now Colin asked a question earlier. I mean, Wolan looks good. Why not call him up earlier? Like I said before earlier this season when people asked this, I don't think they felt like his game was at the level yet in terms of all the things they wanted to do to call him up despite scoring a lot, but it has improved and now he's up here. But Ethan Bear, he said, obviously no update. We'll see if the team gives an update. Doesn't look great. A thin blue line got a whole lot thinner, and they have an opponent against uh, in the Dallas Stars who aren't quite as suffocating as, a, as the Boston Bruins, but not by a large margin. That, that's a tough team to play against as well, so I'm not sure Riley Stillman's going to be the right uh, tonic for this team against the
3: Dallas Stars on Monday. They're going to need uh, someone to step in, obviously, just to eat minutes, um, yeah. but another capable body. Because Ethan Bear, you know, we can discuss and analyze his yep. game, obviously, but he certainly is a capable NHL D-man. Might be just a third pair, but nevertheless, can mm-hmm. still play minutes. They're going to lose another effective body, and it's just going to be Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes as regular NHLers in the next game.
0: Rough. And Myers has been playing some of his toughest hockey of his. And he's had a rough go at times as a Canuck, but this year has really been taking the cake. And especially in the last. Three weeks. Yeah, it's Four been weeks has really a been fighting, str- it. and
3: even moments tonight. Oh yeah, uh, like, th- th- look, there was a couple of nice plays. It, it was, it felt like more of a traditional Tyler Myers night, which is like where you live you with. You see the upside, but you see the downside. But just in general, recently, it's been really rough, and we'll see what uh, a game against the Dallas Stars brings about. Yeah, no doubt. Quick no. update. All right, what's going on 2-2, in Chicago? Chicagoan. You know
0: what? Great for the overtime. Great for the get to overtime. <laughs> We're still 50 minutes away, but nevertheless, get to overtime. Uh, this text unsigned. That means Quinn Hughes becomes a jelly donut after 30 minutes. <laughs> the donut analogy. <laughs> Fantastic text message. And oh. final word goes to Surrey Ryan. I always hate the have always have a 2011 hate for the Bruins, but always have been a Patrice Bergeron fan. He's a pleasure to watch. Rarely puts a skate wrong. I mean, he, he's... I was irrationally
3: excited to watch him in person. Just because I don't think this is going to happen, but it could have been the last time he plays here in Vancouver and he could retire next year. Okay. So good. And the funny thing is, he's so effective yet so perfectly boring. Yeah. And, and I mean this
0: in a good way. It's like, he's like I'm not going to chase you. I don't need to chase you. I'll just take the angle instead. And nothing it's, happens. And it looks like he's not doing anything, but he literally took everything away. He took your option away and now you're stuck. It's,
3: like, it's, that's, it's just that's the type like of, that. I... I, mean, I Go mental on team defense Yeah And I geek out on just a guy Back checking on the right angle There was like i like grab your shoulder Look at this guy Look at this guy But things like that Replay it for you But it's like boring yeah. Right It's like something That you're like Oh he's just skating backwards He's not worried about Winning the puck right away He's just worried about Winning the puck Yes And he's going to win the and puck And he
0: does And you know And it's like Sometimes you see a guy You're like This guy works hard He's chasing He's like what? Well, he's chasing a guy He's taking the wrong angle He's a busy player But busy doesn't mean good Busy doesn't mean effective
3: Patrice Rozon, just, just effective. No There was a moment. Should I geek out on it? Yes, please do. There was just a moment early in the game where he stood at the top of the crease and just forced the pass to go one direction. Mm -hmm. And then, rather than chase after the guy, he just cuts the middle of the ice off, and so there could be no pass to the middle of the ice. And he literally just skated from basically where the trapezoid starts to the Bruins blue line, Mm -hmm. just in a straight line. But there was no pass internal, so you just skated up the whole way, and you had all the space. I can't remember what Canucks player had it. But he had all the space And he's like Great I have all the space I can skate into it But that's what Bergeron Wants you to do I think it was JT Yeah maybe And ultimately like, You're going to get to the red line You're going to get to the blue line And now you have no options And you just have to chip it in And they are good enough To retrieve it And sure enough It's like he blocked off All the passes And then he's there to Take the pass from the D-man For the retrieval And he just he let you skate into all the space because he knew we were going to get the puck back anyways. He walked
0: you into doing what he wanted you to do. Yes. You know, And that's what he directed you. And, he, and, and smart players are thinking not only about how do I get the puck, it's more about how do I get the puck after my teammate touches it first. Yes. And you see the process of it, and it's boring. It's simple. You don't catch it unless you're really looking for it, but it's just so
3: effective. But that's suppression. Limit options. Take what we want you to take. Mm-hmm. And then we'll take the puck back. Yeah, and they're so that defense so good at retrieving the puck, and they're so clean on their exits.
0: It was under pressure exit, and it was like control exit, controlled entry, Mm -hmm. scoring chance from being under pressure how clean with a few passes how they got out it's it's incredible Brandon of Vancouver Bergeron is a generational talent he truly is a generational talent alright that brings us to the end of the show appreciate every single one of you guys uh, and gals listening to the show and being part of the evening and proceedings we always appreciate all the thoughts coming in can't wait to be back chatting with you again on Monday on the post game show and intermissions myself and Bick Nazar when the Canucks are in Dallas to take on the Stars and Bick on Monday you have the day off in the people show or do you oh, do a road show? Yeah, roadshow are you doing something you probably do something from, from the, for the podcast, I'm sure. I don't know. Probably. That's two, two days, days away. <laughs> two days away.
3: I mean you asked me what we're doing tomorrow, I'll tell you. What Monday schedule? Monday schedule,
0: know. Sundays. I live one day at a time, so. <laughs> well I thought you said quarter mile at a time. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's big people show is day to day. It is day to day. We're day to day. All right. Uh, you're Jim Bennings. <laughs>
3: I was gonna say, do we not have that clip on hot on, on a hotkey anymore?
0: Josh is too busy crying <laughs> from earlier. <laughs>
3: We live day-to-day.
1: Day. There it like is. Like, we live, you know, with, you know, today. We're in today's world.
0: <laughs> love it. Josh Elliott, our producer, <laughs> the top producer in the city, love the work that he does producing Canucks Central and the post-game show as always. I'll be back with Dan Richel on Monday and for the post-game show as always. Shouts to all of you. Canucks lose 3-1, but we'll be back again on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.